How's it going, coaches? Welcome to Keep Your Pads Down, the podcast for the men in the trenches. And this is episode number 51. Woo! It has been a strange week. I don't know. I don't know if that's the right word for it. Uh, unusual, uh, sad, maybe, scary. Uh, all those things would probably be appropriate adjectives for what's gone on this week. Uh, in in our country and really abroad, but you know things for us here in uh, in Texarkana got wild for my family last Sunday at least when when part of our church actually caught on fire. Now fortunately it was well after uh, worship services were over, but but the fire did cause significant damage. I think I've heard that it's up there in the millions of dollars worth. Uh, anyway, of course you know with everything involved involving the coronavirus going on this week and you know that's been concerning and and then and to top it all off we woke up uh, this Sunday morning with no running water all of Texarkana was without water and uh, fortunately it was only for a few hours but you know for a while we had we had no water dealing with the coronavirus our pets heads are falling off and if you don't know what movie I'm referencing there then while you're uh, locked down in your bunker for the next few weeks, check out the you know the cinematic classic Dumb and Dumber and, and thank me later. Anyway, I'm sure you didn't tune in today to hear my take on the coronavirus and how it's affecting our country and our world. So I'm not going to. Uh, I, I will I will tell you how I'm handling everything that's going on, and, and you can take that for for what it's worth. To quote Coach Kurt Hines on on Twitter, but uh, you know I, I'm approaching. And my family and my wife and I, we're, we're approaching each day with, with a grateful heart and thankful for the things that we have and, and doing our best to, uh, to find the positives in, in every situation. Because I think the stuff we're dealing with right now is unprecedented and it's, we don't know, we don't know the answers and I don't know and I don't know what tomorrow's going to look like or what the next day. So just trying my best to control what I can control and, and surrender everything else. Um, you know, my faith in God is such that I don't really feel the need to, to worry that also doesn't mean that I, that I don't take the proper precautions to protect myself and my family and also take the responsibility of doing you know, my part to, to alleviate the effects of this virus to as many people as possible. But, but anyway, that's, that's really all the time I want to spend on that. I did think that it was you know, a big enough uh, elephant in the room that I needed to at least acknowledge it and have been and have been and will continue to be in prayer for our nation and for our world really as, as we confront this virus and, and hope you will also. Um, but I think we need outlets that provide a, a break from all of that. And so that's what this is. We're rolling on today and, and talking defensive line play with an absolutely outstanding coach from the state of Oklahoma. And I'm really looking forward to it. You know, we will continue on as usual with this podcast and, and have some great shows, I think, lined up for you in the future. And, and I'll go ahead and uh, actually tease next week's episode now. And, and then I'll mention it again at the end of the show. But, but next week's episode is going to be a lot of fun. The format will be different than uh, anything we've done before because we will have not one, but two guests on the show. So it's, it's going to be great. Uh, make sure you subscribe and check back in with us next week for episode number 52. You definitely won't want to miss it. But anyway, back to today's show. I am honored to welcome, as our guest today, Dell City High School defensive line coach Tyler Cade. Coach Cade grew up in Choctaw, Oklahoma, and attended Northeastern State University there in Oklahoma, where he played defensive end and outside linebacker and was a team captain for the Riverhawks in 2004. Coach Cade got his break in coaching, interestingly enough, at his current high school at Dell City before he moved on to be a graduate assistant at the University of Central Oklahoma for a 2008 season. 
from UCO, Coach K had moved over to Norman, where he was a defensive GA for the Sooners for the 2009 and 2010 seasons. After his stint at OU, Coach K went back to Central Oklahoma, where he was the defensive line coach, and then he headed outside of the Sooner State for the first and only time of his career when he became the D-line coach at Wachita Baptist University for the 2012 season. From there, Coach Cade made stops at Broken Arrow High School, Cowetta High School, and Sapula High School as a defensive coordinator at those last two stops, before becoming the head coach at Dewey High School for the 16, 17, and 18 seasons. Coach Cade's career came full circle when he headed back to Dell City for the 2019 season to be the defensive line coach where the Eagles went 9-3 this past season. Today, Coach Cade talks about things he learned from some of the coaches who have influenced him as both a person and a coach, including the likes of Bob Stoops and Brent Venables. Then, Coach and I talk about the Eagles' defensive front, including their push and slip technique that they use to keep offenses off balance, particularly in the run game. We also talk about how he teaches pass rush out of this push and slip alignment and what Coach Cade believes is one of the most undercoached aspects of rushing the passer. Finally, as we usually do with with former graduate assistants, we get Coach K to tell us a few of his better GA stories. Plus, he closes out the episode with some shout-outs. So all of that and and a whole lot more on today's episode. So let's get to it. Here is episode number 51 with Coach Tyler Cade on KYPD. Coach K, we had a, a little bit of, of some technical difficulties, but hey, we were resilient and we got this thing done, and I'm so glad to uh, to have you on the podcast. Yes, thank you for having me on. I know we had, like you said, some technical issues the other night, but you know, everything worked out. I'm, I'm excited to be on here, and I appreciate the kind of platform you're bringing to the football across the nation as far as you know, the high school, college, the pro levels. You know, you're getting to learn all different types of demons line technique through this podcast, so I'm really excited to a chance to be on here and maybe share some knowledge or stuff you guys might have heard before. Well, Coach, you've you've had an interesting career already up to this point and, and, and had you know been fortunate to be in a lot of great places. So let's start there and talk about, you know, what got you into coaching football in the first place. Yes, uh I've been at quite a few places, so I'll try to keep it short for you. Uh start off at the place I'm at now. I started off at Dell City High School, but I started off there in uh, 2007, a guy that was my head football coach when I played at, at Choctaw as a, as a high school player, he had taken the job there, and I had gotten out of college and, and kind of done some other jobs and wanted to get into coaching. So I was fortunate for him to hire me at Dell City to come in and help with the defensive line, and that's you know what I, what I played college. So it's kind of familiar with that. Uh, I was there for one year at uh, Dell City High School. Then I moved on to the uh, University of Central Oklahoma as a, a GA, a defensive GA. Where I worked with uh, Calvin Miller, who was kind of one of my mentors. He uh, was at OSU for a long time with the Oklahoma State Cowboys and was a defensive line coach there under uh, some different guys through that head coaches that came through. But I was fortunate to get to work under him at UCO kind of towards the end of his career, and I learned a ton of stuff, stuff I still use to this day. So got the opportunity to be at UCO and experience that college coaching level. And then fortunate enough, I got to go to the University of Oklahoma right after that and spend two years two years there as the GA, defensive GA under Brent Venables. So obviously learned a ton from him, learned a ton from Coach Stoops as far as how to organize a, and run a, a total football program from, you know, everything from traveling to mills to 
the strength and conditioning aspect. So it was a great learning experience. But by the time I was there for two years, I'd, I'd been a GA at UCO, a GA at OU. So I was ready to get out and be a defensive line coach of my own. Uh, you know, being a GA, a lot of time, a lot of hours, a lot of grunt work. And it was a great learning experience. But I was ready to go out and, and be a full-time coach and, and hopefully coach D-line at the a university level or, or high high school level. And from there, I got to go back to UCO as a full-time defensive line coach. Uh, had, a, had a really good year, uh, decent year that year. Had some good, good kids to work with. Uh, you know, it was, it was an awesome experience getting to run your own meeting room, getting to recruit, all that fun stuff. Uh, unfortunately, our, our head coach was let go towards the end of that year. And how it goes in college football, you know, the head coach goes, you know, the whole staff goes with him. So yeah, yeah. I had to find a new location. I ended up at a Washita Baptist University there in Arkadelphia, Arkansas, a Division II school in the GAC conference. Uh, got to work with head Todd Knight, who's still there and, and doing a great job. You know, he's producing winning seasons every year. You know, we had really good defense that year. We had one of the top ones in, in, in NCAA Division II, uh, finished second in the conference. So it was a good deal getting to be at OBU, see that, that, that side of Arkansas, you know, getting to kind of different, still in the same region, but getting out of the state of Oklahoma, getting to meet new people, new coaches and networks. So that was a great experience. But then, uh, then I kind of wanted to get back to Oklahoma when the job opened up at Broken Arrow High School, uh, one of the biggest high schools in the state of Oklahoma. You know, great facility, great numbers of kids, big coaching staff, and and, and it was a, a good, a better deal, you know, uh, for for financially for me, kind of to get back home and and to be closer to that, and you know, great experience there as well. Broken Arrow, getting to play guys like Owasso, Tulsa Union, Jinx, you know, that big time six day football in Oklahoma that you kind of see some of those guys on ESPN sometimes. So just getting to, to be in that atmosphere and, and be around, you know, a group of young men that where, you know, you have 20 kids per position or more where, if, you know, as a high school coach, sometimes you don't get that luxury. So that was, that was awesome getting to, you know, get, getting to be in that bigger school and see what it's really like where it's almost like a small college at a, at a six, eight level. So that was awesome getting to be the D line coach there. Um, from there, I had aspirations to be a defensive coordinator and a head football coach. So kind of started looking down those avenues. And then the next opportunity I got was to go to Coweta High School, a 5A high school in Oklahoma. Got the opportunity to go there, be the defensive coordinator, run their offseason strength and conditioning stuff. Uh, I went from there. I transitioned coach linebackers for a little bit because that was one thing I did at OU under Brent Venables was work with the linebackers. So we're really excited to put those skills to work you know, kind of use the different things that I learned from him. So that was a fun year. Uh, but then I got presented with a really good opportunity to go be assistant head football coach and to be a, a full, the full-time street conditioning coordinator for the entire school, not just for a football program. And that was at Sepulpa high school. And so really couldn't turn that down. You know, it, it, was, it was, the classroom was my weight room and I got to work with basketball players, volleyball players, uh, wrestlers, golfers, baseball, you name it. I worked with every sport and kind of got to design their off-season program and, and their in-season program. So that was a great learning experience of being able to do that for an entire high school. And, and that's one thing I still love today is the strength and, strength and conditioning aspect of, you know, just helping all, all athletes whenever you can. So that was really cool. But then I still had that itch and wanted to be a head football coach. So kind of explored that opportunity a little bit. And then a, uh, a job in northeastern Oklahoma came open in a small town called uh, Dewey. It's a suburb of Bartlesville, so it's a small town, but outside of a bigger town. So it's kind of you get the best, best of both worlds, a little bit bigger town, smaller town. But got to be the head coach there for uh, three years. Uh, made the playoffs one year. So it was 
you have to get that in my system to see what it's like to be a head coach and, and run every aspect, you know, not just on the field, but off the field as far as with your booster clubs and your administration, you know, and all that fun stuff. So yeah, your parents, yeah. so, you know, you know, that goes. So that was a really good experience, but, uh, towards the end of my, uh, last year at Dewey, uh, I have a start, I found out I was gonna have a daughter. So I have a daughter who's one years old now. And with all my family being in the Oklahoma city area and my, my, my wife's family being in the Oklahoma city area, uh, we felt like we had to get back to this area, you know, and, and raise our kids around around the grandparents. And, you know, and I got the opportunity to go back to Dell City High School. And a lot has changed since from when I first started this story. <laughs> Starting off there, a lot has changed as far as just the, the coaching staff, the facilities, and, and like going the right direction. And we got the right culture going. So right now I'm the defensive line coach at Dell City after all that. <laughs> well, Coach, it's, it's really a – just a spectacular run that you've been on and you've been fortunate to be in some great places and really you know yeah you've moved around a lot but but you've been you know for the for save for the the, the stint at, at Wachita you know you've been able to stay in the state of Oklahoma and mm-hmm. I, I'm sure you know I'd be hard-pressed to to find another guy that you know that's that's your age is still relatively young in his career that's that has a, as such a great feel for the state of Oklahoma like you do you know being both at the collegiate level and at the high school level you mentioned several names uh, of some coaches there and some uh, you didn't necessarily mention there but I know we've we've talked about them before and their influence on you I'm going to throw mm-hmm. these I'm going to throw these names back at you and and just talk to me about you know what you learned specifically from those guys whether it be scheme or whether it be just how to coach kids or, or handle a program but you know obviously you mentioned uh, Brent Venables, Bob Stoops. Uh, you mentioned Adam Gaylor, who's a big-time coach, uh, mm-hmm. high school coach up there in the state of Oklahoma. Mike Dunn, Jay Wilkinson, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. So talk about those guys and the impact that they had on you as a coach. Oh, oh no doubt. And these, and these are all those guys you just named or guys I talk to weekly or monthly that are I still try to pick their brain because they've been in some really good situations, you know, at some other programs, and it's always good to steal ideas from your from guys you you've seen be successful you've worked with they've been successful or you know you know from what word of mouth that they're successful so you know the first guy obviously who i want to talk about first is uh, coach wareheim coach nick wareheim he gave me my first coaching job you know when he didn't have to <laughs> and then you know as a, as a lay coach and brought me on there at dell city and he was my high school coach so he was kind of the second dad to me uh, you know it, you know how it is in high school you know yeah, especially yeah. as a well well-rounded program you're going you know august all the way through july the next year so i was around him year round because he was also i did track and field he was our throw coach you know he was again my second dad and he's the guy that when i'm you know helped me go to northeastern state helped me get a scholarship you know made sure i was following through and and, and making sure i was doing the right things while there so we stayed in contact all through college and Again, he gave my first job at Dell City. We still, he still, he retired from coaching, but he still does on the side at Jones High School in Oklahoma City, and, and they won state two years ago. So he's still working with great programs. Still, people are still in his ideas, and, and just you know, he was a head coach at multiple places. So he's kind of been at all different types of, of levels of, of different kids and, and different uh, demographics. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool to talk with him and, and get his stories and. There's still stuff he says, the phrases I used when I, when I was playing for him. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. You know, that's how he had a big impact on me as far as wanting to be a coach, uh, wanting to be a leader. And so when I didn't, when I got a call and I wasn't for sure what I want to do, and I, he was a guy I knew I, I could look up to. I wanted, I wanted kids that would kind of look up to me the way I did to him. So he really got me in the game. Uh, the next guy, then 
you know, after I left Dell City, I went to UCO the, for my first time as a GA. I got to meet Jay Wilkinson, and he's the guy that hired me on at Coweta as a defensive coordinator because we had worked together at UCO. We had worked together at Broken Arrow. Uh, he's now back at Broken Arrow as the offensive coordinator. But he, he, what he really taught me was a kind of a different demeanor uh, as far as being a head coach. You know, you, you see guys like like Brent Venables and BB, you know, some of those guys can get fired up and, you know, and, and you can just tell by their body language is kind of how they're feeling. But he really taught me that how, that, how to be smooth, how to be, you know, chilled in, in adverse situations. And that's one thing I really learned from him. And, and I still talk to him this day is when adverse hits in a game or in life or whatever, you know, having that same demeanor, that um, cool collective demeanor and, and, and being a defensive guy, talking to him from the offensive perspective of how he was going to attack me, whether it was fronts, coverages, blitzes, certain down and distance situations, you know, I had to battle him all the time for practice because he would call the offense, I call the defense, and I got burned yeah. <laughs> a bunch. Yeah. And so it made me, it made me ask, well, how, how do you know that's in this coverage or this? And it made me become a better defensive coach, knowing that hey, if I if I'm in this front, they're going to try to run the ball here, if I, or if I'm in this coverage, they're going to try to attack it with this route combination. So it made me a better coach just just learning overall, you know, how the offensive guys are trying to attack us the, the entire time. So still talk to him weekly. At, you know, we were staying phone calls the other day, just trying to pick each other's brains about what's going on in the coaching world. Uh, the next guy we, you kind of talked about was uh, Coach Venables and Coach Stoops. Obviously, for, for any coach, get to be around them for any time. You're going to try to steal as much stuff as you can. And what kind of what I said earlier, what Coach Stoops taught me, you know, he he was a defensive coach too. There, people one thing people don't know about Coach Stoops, yeah, he's a head football coach, but he coached corners. Like he took individual, took the corners. You know, I mean, he 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 was a, he was a position football coach, which in a lot of college programs you don't see that yeah, at that yeah. level. And so that was one thing I took away from him is, hey, you're never too big for your britches. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like right. you, if you want to coach football, then go be a position. You know, coach them up. Don't just stand there and, and tell everybody what to do. So that was kind of a humbling deal for me to see somebody of that stature, you know, coaching the corners, coaching the DVs when he really didn't have to, but he's what he liked coaching football. You know, that's, that's what it was all about. And then just learning from him as far as, you know, how to, how to travel a whole team, you know, how to take 86 people and, and a training staff and a support staff and, and fly to wherever, you know, and do it in two days and then be, be organized as far as throughout the whole trip goes. So it was really cool seeing that the, the support staff kind of side of things. A lot of people don't see, you know, the details as right. far as organizing right. that many people and, and, and getting to one place to another. And then obviously Coach Venables is one of the best around as far as calling the defense and being his GA and, and having to work a lot of hours with him <laughs> in a small room, you know, a lot of whiteboards and learned a lot. And we, we, we ran four man fronts towards the end of his career. We ran some odd fronts. So it helped me later on in my career to know, Hey, I know how to coach a four three or four two five, but I also have some experience in the odd front, which helped me later on down the road. And then the pressures that you learn from him, the blitzes you learn from him. I mean, there's all kinds of stories I can get into, but uh, we'd be adding pressures and adding thinking how to attack protections leading up to the day of the game. So you know, you have your game plan, but he saw something the night before he wasn't scared to make a tweak, and and it was usually successful. Yeah, so that was awesome yeah. from him. Then from there, uh, the next guy on that list got to be Adam Gaylor. Obviously, anybody that's on Twitter right now <laughs> or in the coaching world, you know, he, he he definitely gets on there and and tells you how 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 it is and how he thinks it is and how and it's it's right. I mean, it's it's so many he's he's been in so many different 
takes so many brains and then so many, you know, different pro successful programs that, you know, everything does, whether it's have a, a four man front, an odd front, uh, a third down package, a first down package, you know, he's successful. And I got to work with him at Broken Arrow. And the, the thing I took and stole from Coach Gaylor is that everybody's opinion matters. So like, you know, me being a defense line guy, he would always say, hey, how are we going to stack the run? How are we going to stop the power? How are we going to stop the counter? And he'd put it on the, the position coach as far to come up with that game plan, if that makes sense, and where he wouldn't, you know, try to micromanage everybody where it was going to be his way and the only way. He definitely did a great job to me, listening to all the voices in the room and, and taking the best ideas and putting them all together where you felt like you had some ownership all the time as far as was going on during the game or during the, the practice week. So, and that kind of leads me to the guy I'm working to working with now, coach Mike Dunn. He's the head coach at Dell city. And I just came off being a head coach at Dewey and it, it kind of felt like there's times where you had to micromanage, you had to, you know, make sure all the bases were covered and, and kind of had to double check your, your sometimes ask your assistant coaches multiple times to make sure something was getting done. And it, it got to be stressful as you can imagine, but, you know, working with coach Dunn, He's the same way as Coach Gaither was. He's going to delegate stuff out, and you're going to have ownership. You're going to take pride in what you do because you have a lot of say in the game plan or or the personnel we're playing or, or anything like that. So all those guys, and I've worked with a lot of different staffs and a lot of different great coaches who are now head coaches or coordinators or, or they're in administration or ADs now. But those guys that I named off there, I, I, I stole something very valuable, I feel like, from those guys, and I, and I try to use it every day. Yeah, coach, we all, you know, that's, that's, if, if we're doing it the right way, that's, that's the way it should work as we, you know, as we travel from different staff to different or different schools, you know, we ought to be picking stuff up and, mm -hmm. and really, you know, as we, as we move along in our careers, we're a, you know, we're just a, a, a picture of all those different pieces of things that we've picked up along the way. And, uh, you know, the, you know, some things we, some things we really like, some things we see them and go, okay, that's the way not to do it. And, and but, yes. <laughs> but, but any, either way we're, we're, we're learning and, and, and picking things up from those guys and from those programs. And, and obviously it sounds like you've been fortunate to be in some really great places and, and around some just elite coaches that you've been able to learn a lot from. We're talking today uh, about y'all, about obviously about your defense. You know, you guys are based out of a four, two, five, but you're, you're very multiple within that scheme. And we're talking about uh, a particular technique that you guys uh, are running and, and you and I talked about this and I, I thought it was really intriguing and and I want to talk about that and that's your your push and slip technique so uh, talk to us about that and what that is and just your defense as a whole there at Dell City yeah like you said we uh, we base it a four two five uh we well, we like to call ourselves a, a multiple defense well depending on what the offense is going to heavily dictate out of we're going to try to match that so if we feel like you're going to try to spread us out and hit the RPO windows with your hitches or slants. We're probably going to get more in a three, four, but typically guys are doing that at a 10, you know, 10 sets, maybe 11 or 20 sets. So we really truly feel like if you're going to try to throw the ball more, we might give you a little more odd front or we might pressure you more, get, you know, get into a dime or nickel power dime package. But, you know, we base out of a four, two, five, you know, the first thing we, we go over is two back, you know, two back rules, whether it's 21 personnel or, um, 22 personnel, you know, you got to have some dudes in the box if you're going to get that heavy run person or heavy run formation. So that's the first thing we install. But so we feel like, you know, with the kids we have here at Dell City, you know, we have some really athletic defensive ends, some really athletic five techniques. Then we also have some 
bigger D tackles that can play a shade, they can play a two or they can play a three. Okay. And so, you know, we're fortunate in that. And and a lot of guys are kind of sometimes I've been in programs where you're forced to three, four, because you don't have enough D linemen or you don't have enough big enough D linemen, you know, enough D tackles to run a four down front. You know, I think right. in my, you know, you talked to a lot of D line coaches. I know you talked to a ton. You know, if they had their way, they want four dudes on the field. That's right. a, that's how yeah. I am. <laughs> you know, yeah. the, the more the better. So, but sometimes you're forced to type the you know the to stop the offensive strength or the per lack of personnel you might have. You got to get into a three four front. But again, at Dell City, we we're fortunate enough to have some bigger athletic guys. You know, we encourage all our kids to play multiple sports and like our D tackles play basketball. And like they they don't sit on the bench, like they play. You know, so that yeah. tells you that tells you kind of how how big and athletic these kids are, you know, they're 250 plus and, and pretty tall, but you know, we, we, we like those bigger athletic guys. We like them to be on edges as far as a three or shade. But one thing that we've noticed through the last, you know, couple of years coaching D line, uh, when you face an offense that they know where your three technique is, they know where your shade is every time they know how you're going to call the strength. They can kind of dictate their run, dictate the run game. You know, they can figure out, Hey, we know the three techniques going to be here. So we want to run, run counter here every time, you know what yeah, I'm saying? Or, yeah. or so, and that's one thing I don't like, I didn't like as a defensive line guy is kind of tipping my hand as far as where my guys are going to be at. So when I was at a uh, broken arrow with Adam Gaylor, we kind of talked about that one night. What can we do to, to get our D tackles to that three in the shade, but not lining up into it or slanting to it. Okay. So a lot of guys, when we first got in this and talked about it, it was, you know, guys had ran head up twos with their deep tackles, you know, and they, they would move them on the snap. So slant, what I didn't like about that, I felt like it was easier for the offensive lineman to wash you down. So yeah, yeah. I slant quick, I slant into a double team, you know, and I'm, and I'm not going to have my pads down. I'm not doing what I need to do. There's a good chance I'm going to get washed or I might run a field and get trapped or, you know, midline or something like that. So we, we started asking around about how you could play it, you know, uh, but also, being able to tee off on that guard, you know, really get a good strike on him, you know, with a good blow to not get him a free release up to our linebackers or inside linebackers. So at that time, uh, that was, you know, when I was 2013, 14 back then, uh, uh, Coach Bellini was still in Nebraska at that time. And, you know, he had some dudes like Dominic and Sue, obviously, <laughs> some guys that are, that are just freak daddies. And so we were able to get some of their film, and we sort of noticed they were playing the twos but like kind of like I was explaining, they weren't slanting. They were they were kind of teeing off, bench pressing those guards, and then working their hips, you know, or ripping or working their hips kind of late. And at first, we thought, you know, were they two gapping? You know, that that kind of puts the linebackers in a bind, but they don't know if they had an A gap or B gap. But the more we dug into it, the more insight, you know, the more coach called around that kind of had connections at Nebraska or kind of knew what they were doing. They told us about the push and slip technique, and what that is, it's kind of like almost like a lag technique that. You, guys talk about now with their head up, you know, four or sort of their head up zero, you know, their head up, whatever their nose guard. And what it is, is you're going to play head up and you're really going to tee off and knock that guard back or knock whoever you're lined up on head up, really drive him and bench press him and make it hard where he has to force right now. Am I going to step or am I going to step left or am I going to step right? And while he's doing all that, that gives time for that defense tackle to know if he's going to play front side, that try to get across that guy's face or play backside. Okay. So, if you try to, if you bench press and play front side, we call it push technique. So if, if a guy was trying to reach you and you were trying to beat him to that, you were teed off, knocked him back, you're beating him to that reach point. We call that a push technique. So you're trying to, you know, get across his face. The slip technique is like the lag technique 
where, you know, I, I come off on that guy, I'm bench pressing, and, and I'm going to let him go where he wants, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to rip off his hip. So the one thing we discovered when we first started doing this at Broken Arrow, you know, it helped our linebackers a little bit. You know, they had to slow down, and the, and we would we wouldn't we wouldn't play a variety of it. Say, okay, this week we're going to play push technique with these with these D tackles. So so the linebackers know, okay, let's flow this way. I got the A gap, and they yeah. almost got the B gap. You yeah. know, stuff like that because you knew you had side help with your defense tackles. And then maybe later on that, then a couple weeks later, it's, all right, we're going to play a slip technique now. We're now the back. I'll say, it's don't have me. I got I got to hit that A gap right now because the defense tackle is going to fall in the B gap. But the one thing we found real quick was that Mike and Will, they hardly got touched. <laughs> and so, yeah, yeah. you know, it muddied up a lot of stuff in there. You know, what we were playing, we were playing double two techniques. So we had, a, you know, a D tackle and a head up guard, a D tackle and a head up guard. Then we had two five techniques they're playing traditional five technique, playing your spill technique, you know, spilling everything, the linebackers, and, you know, not getting reads, all that good stuff. Uh, but we found that it freed up Mike and Will where they, you know, they, they forced the center. The center can't obviously can't block both of them. So it forced that center to kind of slow down and, and figure out where the D tackles were going, which gave time for our backers to get downhill and, and make more plays and kind of be untouched. Whereas when we were in the shade in three, they knew they could combo that three right now and get a back, or they could just, you know, release that center right now up to that mic and try to cut us off to that guard. But this made the this made the guards really they couldn't they couldn't go forward because they were getting knocked back. And it put the center dilemma where he had to he didn't know which way he could really, you know, he knew which way he was stepping, but he didn't know if he's gonna have to work a double team right now because that, that demon's attack might disappear to the B gap, if that makes sense. So yeah, yeah. We had a lot of success with it. And you can it's really a head up technique. So whether you're running fours, a zero, whatever, a twos, you can play the same technique depending on how you want to play it with your with your D linemen and linebackers. But it's something that we found very beneficial out of a four down, and you don't see a lot for as far as film I've watched and even watching, you know, college and professional, you don't see a lot of guys on the four down playing those true twos. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But, but you know, in, in my previous stop, uh, we were we were 4-3, definitely uh, a 4-2-5 flavor in the way that we adjusted, especially stuff on the back end. And and we would we would do that some, you know, where we play head up and then and then play to our gap. I didn't have it as, as specifically defined like what you're talking about with this. Uh, and I really, really mm-hmm. like this. So I want to I want to back up a little bit and just talk about how you're coaching that up. So when you're t- coaching this stuff up, uh, first of all, you know, when these guys are lined up in their stance, are they are they are they helmet screws to helmet screws with that guard, and just and then what are you talking to about what they're keying and how they're coming out of their yes. stance and all that kind yeah, of and stuff? I, and we got we were playing a, a more of a four point. You know, I, I teach inside hand down, but I got we got to this. I said you can go to inside down, or you can go in a four point. And yeah. so, but we got obviously, and it took it didn't happen overnight. <laughs> you know, let me back up on that. So, I was fortunate enough. I had Paul Croft. You know, the guy you were talking about earlier. He was working with me at Broken Arrow, and I was fortunate enough to have him where we could split up our D-line. So I'd say, hey, you know, take these, we'll take these DNs over here. Let's work, whatever. You know, don't get reached, spill technique, you know, playing your gap. And and then I would take those tackles, and we would all line up, you know, head up. And the first thing we do is talk about our, our head placement and hand placement. And I wanted to take their screws and be underneath their chin because the low man, as you know, you know, low man's going to win. I, we always talk about eyes below eyes. Keep your eyes below his eyes. You're going to win. Now, obviously, with the hand placement, since you're head up, we went both hands on that breastplate. So we weren't trying to get outside the shoulders or anything like that or yeah. pits. We were just yeah. almost like an old six technique. Get off the ball, get your hands inside. And now, what we taught after that is what I stole from Brent Venables, and I worked with Jackie Ship. He was the defensive line coach there. 
when we went to that odd front, we had met with, we had got some stuff from Alabama because they were odd front at the time or, or messing with it. And really what we taught, depending on what technique, if you're playing, okay, if I'm playing push technique, all right, and I'm teeing off and I'm getting that bend, I'm getting that separation. And as soon as I get that, you know, I get that screws in the chin, get that separation, bench press them off. He's taught his offensive lineman. He's going to work his hips and head some way, whether it's left or right, if that makes sense, coach. Yeah. So we taught, we, I lined them all up on the line. I said, all right, right now we're working push technique, all right, which means this this guy's zone's left. You're trying to go right, you know, opposite, obviously. You're trying to cross this, but you're trying to cross to our right, his left, anyhow. And I literally walked through it, okay, we teed off. He's stepping left. We're playing push. And I had him really, once they felt that head, you know, his help, his head, his hips kind of work to either direction, they would start forcing their hips that way. And then I taught him by then, if once I knew where he was going and I got my hips in that gap, I told him they, they could rip through, you know, get off a block, block protection type stuff. So we weren't slanting. We, I taught him, you want to tee off, you want to bench press them and then work to your gap, depending on we're playing push or slip. So we had him start off in the, in, with an inside hand down, four point, get off, if your eyes are below his eyes, get separation, and then see where his head and, and hips are working. And I had some guys that were really pretty heady. They, they were only, my D tackles there at Broken Arrow when we started doing this were like 5'10", 6' foot the most, but they were like 260, you know, squatty body type kids. And they got really good at being able to, to tee off, you know, get that guy knocked back, and then try to see which way it's working, and then kind of shut you know, working their hips, not crossing their feet over like a quick shuffle to that gap and then ripping through and, and making tackles. So, and then when guys also helped out, somebody didn't talk about earlier, when dudes tried to pull like in power, it, it was a tough block on that center trying to block back on those yeah, guys. Yeah. And then teeing off so good that they were able to run with that puller, getting the hip pocket of that puller. Right. Right. Uh, and then talk about uh, how would you, co- how are you coaching up slip technique, the differences with that? Would, yeah. So now, and once I feel like we were good on because to me, slip comes natural. You're letting the guy reach you or, you know what I mean? You're yeah, letting him yep. almost take you over. So once I felt good, the push technique, what the push technique did, it allowed you, if you were getting zone, wherever you're getting zone at, you were going to get a free technique to that zone. If that makes sense, coach, you yep. know? So like if it's a week, we know, Hey, they're going to run an outside zone or, or zone this way. We knew if we played that push technique, whatever side they're zoning to that, that D tackle on that guard, he better end up being a three technique or end up in that B gap. So, with the, with the slip technique, once I felt we were good with the push technique, the slip came pretty easy for him. It was the same thing, same deal, good four-point or inside hand down. You know, get off the ball as soon as he flinches. Get your eyes below his, get separation. Now let him, you know, it's more of, okay, where does he want to go? Does he want to go right? Let his butt go right. I'm going to rip off his hip. So it happened a little bit quicker at the slip. The push is what we really liked just because they cover up those backers a longer time, if that makes sense. So yeah. they both came invaluable for us. You know, there's times right now with my five techniques at Dell City, we call it a thick technique where we're going to, we want to get reached just because we got a backer outside the box. So we were lining up in the five, we're playing a tight five. What they, we teach, hey, if that guy comes at you, you're ripping underneath, you're playing a slip technique, you're getting to the B gap. You know, it comes in handy whether you're playing ahead of, or times playing a five where you want to end up on an inside gap to free your backer up to get outside the box. So, you know, I taught him the same. The push technique was obviously tougher. It took us about two two weeks to really feel comfortable with it. But then the slip came off that really easy because it was they're doing the same thing, but now really let him where he wants to go. Yeah. Whereas the push technique, I gotta fight, I gotta beat him to where he wants to go. 
is the is the logic behind the slip technique, and I think you already touched on this, but I just want to clarify to allow the backers to flow faster, and then to yes. basically like if if like if you're getting stretch or something. I'm cutting off those cutback lanes and, and mm-hmm. forcing that guy to bounce out, you know, hit the stretch outside to where my linebackers are, are there. They're scraping over the top. Yes, yes. It allows them to play quicker, especially if you're depending on what you're telling your backers. If you're underkeying the, the guards, the tailback, it definitely gets them faster, whereas the push technique covers them up a little bit more. They would kind of mirror that yes. defensive tackle, yeah. but they knew that they had to play the backside gap with the yeah. cutback, as you were talking about. Yes, I, I just curious here. Do you when you if you if you're showing a lot or playing a lot of two two technique stuff, uh, do you get a lot of things like trap and midline trying to take care of those twos and, and, yeah, and they, use they their do, aggressiveness? They do. And I t- the way I teach it was the way I taught three techniques and DNs. If you're unblocked, you better get your eyes inside and yeah. get ready to spill. You know, yeah. I don't want you getting your head knocked off. So, you know, and it, it was, still was tough for the guard to get that you know to get that free release because we're still trying to tee off, but. A lot of times it wouldn't, it didn't look, it looked pretty sloppy on the offensive part because the guard would get in that, getting up to that back or getting that midline look because we were still trying to mirror them yeah. and stay on them. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, to, to me, like the more their power wrap, you know, when guys wrap when they, you know, the power read stuff, uh-huh. that that gives a little more problems there, you know, or, or a trap look a true, on that. But, you know, we we didn't get a lot of true just try to unblock them and ear home, unfortunately. You know, we played more the outside zone zone teams and you know it, it, we'll play a little bit of counter but it, that we hardly see even as a broken arrow in Dell city a true i'm gonna try to isolate a d tackle which is fine with me <laughs> yeah 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 is this ever something that you guys will, will run like uh you know maybe first half you're running you're running uh you know push technique and then you you switch it up in the second half or is this something we're just doing it this way this week uh but usually when we first started doing it it was just do it that way that week because we didn't want to put a ton on, yeah. on our high school yeah. kids. Uh, but we got to where, where teams were kind of figuring out, hey, they're going to try to beat us to block. And that's what we said, all right, this week, whoever we're playing, we're going to play that flip technique. And we still had the capability to call a regular. We called it even. We we called over. We still had the ability to get a three in a shade or however we wanted to do that front that week, you know. So we And we also had our, you know, the three down package. So to me, as a defensive line guy, it was just another way to give another front but not have to stub some guys. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's let, let's talk about that and just about how you guys were able to to be so multiple, um, especially in game. Uh, you talked about having you, you know you're fortunate enough to have really athletic defensive ends. So when you're switching from three to four down front, are you able to do that without switching up yes. your personnel? Yes, like like the the thing I did that we learned about was with Coach Gaylor and I even with Coach Venables and thing I we that we've been doing at Broken or excuse me at Dell City, they are they did it before I got there, but we're doing it now. Those athletic five techniques, we feel like they're good enough to play an outside linebacker. Now, sometimes we don't want them to the strength, to the passing strength, or to the field. Yeah. But we're we feel like they're good enough to be a weak side outside linebacker that can still trigger and play the C gap, but can also be a curl flat guy, can be a hook curl guy. We try not to put them in man situations, especially if they got a, a, a real dude at receiver, you know, number two, yeah. number two slot yep. guy or or whatever. But most, you know, his trips, he's always backside helping out a number one, playing kind of like a cut technique, taking taking away any quick windows inside. But then we're also you can call the same blitz package you have in your four down instead of a five technique. Now he's an apex linebacker that's you know five yards off the ball or looks like he might be playing coverage. Coverage, but we can blitz him, we can keep him in coverage, we can play twist games up front. So I've been really fortunate to be a couple places where those five techniques. You know, could could stay with me as a defensive line as far as individual techniques goes. And sometimes we'd send them down to seven on seven, 
but they are primarily defensive linemen. And then we called our odd front or our Oki front. We we're able to play a little, make them an outside weak linebacker, but still have our same, you know, blitzes and all our same stuff. But he did a good job of being that window to cover up some stuff and kind of give the quarterback a different look. So we've been fortunate enough not to have to sub a bunch of guys. You know, we feel like those guys can can be coverage guys as far as curl flat. Again, hook curl, we're not going to put them in tough situations, but it's just a way to give a different look and bring them from a different angle that might be at a disadvantage to, to guard or, or offensive tackle because they don't see it coming or he might be on the run already and he's tougher to block. So it's just a, a way to give a different look. And we make it simple for them where they feel comfortable. And uh, and I think it's always good. I think if a kid's athletic enough to play a five technique, he can be a curl dropper or hook dropper and just put him in situations where he's going to be successful. Yeah. And, you know, you don't have to, usually you don't have to talk defensive ends. You don't have to bend their, you know, twist their arm too much to get them to move off the ball and play out in space, right? Because, you know, every lineman wants to play out in space, right? And, and oh, so yeah. it's an easy sell for them. And, and in fact, because we do the same thing. We have a really special kid that's that's a, a, can play defensive end, play outside backer for us, and it's a pretty easy transition uh, for him to do that. And and and, and when, once he gets a, a once he's gotten a taste of playing, you know, outside in space, it's really hard for him to want to come back down in there and put his hand <laughs> back in the dirt. And you know, especially when we run up against a slot T team, you know, that's that's uh, you know, going backwards for him. But um, so I'm I'm just curious about this because again, we, we do the same thing. Do you run into the problem where teams, okay, so they know that that guy is a defensive end slash outside linebacker. Do you run into problems where they try to, you know, put the formation, they try to dictate to where he's on maybe the passing strength or maybe he's on one of their dudes, you know, maybe they put yeah. a, a slot guy over there. And so how do you, how do you keep that, keep from putting him in a bad situation? Uh, first thing we do, we obviously talk to our safeties. <laughs> yeah. Our strong, or use our free safety travels with him. And we let him know, hey, he's going to need help or, you know, if we're, we're going to play, maybe play a bracket or a double team on this side. So we always make, first thing we do is we make sure he has help over the top. We make sure he understands that and makes sure the safety knows, hey, you know, your first job is to help him and, and then lean towards the corner after that stuff. But also, I mean, just put him in those situations and, and practice too. You know, we, you know, if, if a lot of people, they'll try to go formation in the boundary kind of, I think what, you, what you're kind of talking about, whether they're trying to try to, hey, we're going to try to put the trips to that guy. We're going to try to put the speed to that guy, you know, and we will do a good job just trying to hide him and making sure our nickel, making sure our, our strong safety, that makes sure the guys we want towards the passing strength or to the area is there. And if it's a week where they got a guy, hey, they got a slot receiver who's who's really good or really dude, we might say, hey, let's let's stay maybe more on our four down. You know, yeah. that's one thing yeah. that I like about this that package is that people do try to personnel you where they say, oh, they're going to be an odd front. Let's get in 22 personnel or 21. You know, we have the ability to say, all right, you're going back to your five technique and we're going to get into four down or five, two or whatever we want to do that time. So, you know, covering him up first off on the back end and, and then under, letting him understand and know that, hey, if they try to go formation in the boundary, they try to go something trigger empty. A lot of what a lot of people have noticed last year will try to go empty. And there's times we would say, all right, they go empty. You just become the Mike linebacker and you're going to spy the quarterback. And we would take them the original Mike or will and make him, you know, that apex guy, yeah. number two or number yeah. three receiver. So we kind of kind of messed around in certain formations where we'd make him more that low hole guy or the extra blitzer where he wasn't out there on an island or anything like that. What advice would you give to coaches who are maybe looking at their roster this offseason and they're trying to identify, you know, those guys, those tweener guys, and maybe they're, they're, they, they have more outside linebacker guys and they're not sure if they can actually 
walk down and 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 play defensive end, uh, or maybe it's vice versa. Maybe they're not really confident that a defensive end could play out in space. But just what advice would you give to coaches who are who are wanting to do this and just not really sure how they can pull the trigger? What advice would you give those guys? The first thing I do, obviously, in off season, I identify who's got a, some good change of direction and decent hips, if that if that makes sense. Because yeah. if you're if you're trying to get that guy to be decent in space. You know, he's got to have good eyes first off. And he, once he gets that pass read, if he's not blitzing, he's got to be able to cross over, you know, the old crossover run, flip your hips, crossover run, but still at the same time, keeping vision on the quarterback, not dead sprinting with your back turned to him. So I really find those guys who, who are bigger guys, but are, are fluid movers, if that makes sense. You know, yeah. they can they can flip their hips and get around a cone or, or get through a drill pretty easily. And they don't look sloppy and they don't look stiff. So I would look, and it doesn't, you know, well, I've been fortunate enough to have tall guys like 6'1, six, 6'2. I know that's not the case that works. I've been years, I've had a bunch of 5'10 dudes, you know, right, or lower. Right. And so, you know, even if that kid's small, maybe doesn't have the height stature, but if he can get in space, he can flip his hips, he can cross over run, he can keep vision, and be a, a zone type dropper, that's the kid I'd look for more than maybe a dude that's 6'4, 250, if that, if that makes sense. So, yeah. you know, yeah. like the guy, the guy we used last year, he was probably six one and a half. He only weighed like one eighty. Like he was one of those taller, skinnier guys. Yeah. And he was a decent five technique. But like you were saying earlier, he liked being able to drop and try to get interceptions and, and things of that nature. So you know, he, he was more. He looked more like an outside linebacker than a true five technique. Yeah. But you know, he, he was able to do both uh, and to help us out. Yeah, and I think that that you don't always have to put that kid in a in a tight five and put him down in a stance. I mean, I think you can play those guys up. You know, you're, yes. you're in a four-down front, but you, maybe you have one of your defensive ends standing up, so it looks like you just have an outside backer walked up on your tackle or something. But, you mm-hmm. know, you can kind of maybe massage it a little bit for those kids that way and say, all right, we st- you're going to play – you know, you're going to play a five technique standing up in a two-point stance and you're reading the ear hole or the, the, the shoulder tip or whatever it is that you're going to have those guys read. And, and you know, that's that's how you're going to play it. Um, so they don't necessarily have to be someone in there who's, go, who's going to bang on a tackle, um, you know, for four quarters. Yeah, um, oh, yeah. And going back to, like, the, the, the two-point stance deal, boy, when I told those DNs last year, because a long time ago I heard – from a Clemson D-line coach, you know, with your DNs, let them play where they feel comfortable. And I still don't let them have the outside hand down. That drives me nuts. Yep, yep. But let them play comfortable, whereas your D-tackles better have their butts down ready to roll because they got to – so this year when I said uh, – when I got to Dell City, like we, we started off in three-point stance, inside hand down, and, and finally they were just like, Coach, can we just go from the two-point? And I said, as long as you're in the right spot, the right gap, and you, you're playing the right spill technique or lever technique, like, I don't care. I was like, you see Von Miller, you see those guys like that, you want to do that, do that. And they ate it up. And <laughs> I've either forced them in some situations, like get your hand in the dirt. There's a tight end over there. Like quickly right. stand up. Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But, uh, but they, when, when they had, were just on an open end tackle, you know, when they're on true five technique without a tight end, I, I gave them the option to stand up with your outside foot back and, and kind of just shove. You got a down block, just shuffle in and get ready to spill. You know, if you got a reach block set the edge, you get that high go sack the quarterback and, and just let them play a little bit more, you know, comfortable. They felt more comfortable. It it, it helps. You know, it produced more more sacks and more tackles. Yeah, for for sure. And I think the way you went about it is the right way to do it. And, you know, you come in and you teach them the standard way of doing it so that they mm-hmm. have that foundation. And then from there, like once you once they earn that trust and you can see, okay, you know, these guys know how to play. And now you can kind of, you know, loosen the reins a little bit and and let them play with some personality and 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 you know, maybe it maybe 
it's kind of like, you know, putting on a, a, a certain pair of shoes and you think it makes you jump higher and you think it does all this. And, hey, if, it, if, mm-hmm. that's, if, if standing up makes those kids feel more athletic and feel like they're doing something and they're still getting the job done, then, you know, we got to swallow our pride a little bit on that and just, you know, let them – not, not overcoach them and, and let them be football players, I think, at that point. So I think that's the way to do it for sure. Oh, oh, definitely. Then, same thing as coaches, if we want ownership in the game plan, that they feel like they have ownership now. You know what I mean? They yeah, feel like they, yeah. that they're being listened to. And, that, yeah. and, and like you said, they feel more comfortable and want to play faster, great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. That's great for everybody. And so, that, that and is. We also do this. Oh, they'll stand, everybody stands up and they, they eat that up as well. <laughs> oh, yeah. 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 See, those are the types of things that, you know, you don't have to talk those guys into doing that. You, you throw that out there and, and, and they're, and then they want to do it every play. And you're like, no, dude, that's not something we're going to do every snap. Okay. I mean, just calm down. You're yeah, going to ruin a third it. For, down deal. Yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Uh, well, I want to, uh, I want to talk about, hit on a couple more things from defensive line play. And this is just kind of, um, you know, as you're as as you've been, uh, you know, been to these different places and been around all these great coaches and had a chance to be a defensive line coach for a while now. You know, what are some things that you think are often go often uh, overlooked when coaching defensive line? Like maybe some underrated skills that 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 guys definitely need to make sure they they're they're learning. Yeah, and the and the thing that comes to mind the most, and a lot of this stems back i'm gonna go to more pass technique now because obviously if you're playing a head-up technique versus the run like that push or slip this is going to sound totally backwards <laughs> than what i talk what i'm about to say but staying on half a man and that's one thing when you go to camps or you watch guys on on, on social media or whatever the first thing they do when they get a high hat they want to go right down the middle and they want to try to bull rush a guy and run him over and the thing i've noticed that i the thing that's made me i think the, the thing I've, that's helped me as a defense line coach developing pass rushers is them understanding that as soon as that guy's hat goes backwards, you have to get on the edge. Even if you're a head up technique, whether you're going the inside shoulder or you're yeah. working the outside shoulder, yeah. you've got to jump to an edge and work that edge and then get your hips flipped towards the quarterback. Cause no matter how fast you got the ball, if you don't get those hips flipped toward the quarterback, he's going to run you by. And so I, I see it all the time. This guy's warming up or, or, or watching, you know, this stuff, other films with that, whether it's a D tackle, DN, even linebackers blitzing, they want to be a magnet, the chest magnet, oh, <laughs> and go in uh, there and, and like try to run over a guy. And I'm like, yeah. no, 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 you know. So staying on half a man, and that's one thing I like we do at Dell City. We do a blitz circuit. And so we teach, you know, we don't blitz safeties and corners a lot, but we teach them how to get on half a man when you blitz. Now we blitz linebackers a ton, and we spend a lot of time on teaching them once they get that point of contact how to get on that edge. So that's something I feel like I don't see a lot of people emphasizing a lot, but the key to getting to the quarterback is you better get on half the man. Yeah, for sure. And, and I even heard, uh, you know, we had uh, Coach Randall Joyner on um, last uh, last month back in January, uh, D-line coach over at, at SMU. And and I think he tells his guys, you know, we're going to attack an outside third, you know, because even sometimes half a man, those kids still are, are, are too thick on them. And, uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and again, you meant, you said it, I, I think somewhere there's a magnet inside, you know, behind that right L patch up there. <laughs> and then the, the opposite side of that magnet is in the, in the, in the sternum of that, 
that <laughs> offensive tackle or that offensive guard because that's where they always end up, uh, just running right through the middle of them. And, and you know, we're standing on the sideline with our, with our hands up in the air saying, what are we doing here? But I think that's, a, I think that's right. I think, I think uh, attacking half a man is an absolute must, uh, especially when we're talking about rushing the passer. Uh, that's that's definitely something that, that those guys got to do. So let's let's you went there. So let's talk about it. You know, if I'm, I'm playing this this two this head up two technique, you know, talk about how you're coaching up pass rush with those guys. Yeah, and that's a great question because and I, I went back and forth uh, as far as like, okay, well you're playing push, so you need to try to get the outside. Or you're playing slip, you need to try to get the inside. Or if we weren't running the pressure, so let's just say we were at rushing four, you know, dropping the rest. I told him you got two way go. I yeah. said, I, I told, and I told, you know, and you say, well, okay, coach, where do you work the B gap and the DN works underneath? The way I taught the DNs were, like, you were not coming underneath unless you got to depth the quarterback. So yeah. pretty much you had to be four or five steps up field, depth the quarterback, and then you were allowed to, to come underneath, and, you know, because hopefully the offensive tackle opened the gate by then. But so I told the DNs, like, you can't work a quick inside move when we're in this even front. So I gave the, 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 the again, talking about ownership and freedom, I told those D tackles, I said, you get a high hat and that dude's going backward. I said, you work either way. Yeah. I said, now don't bull rush. I don't want to see that BS. I said, but if you're, if you, he's working back and you're, and you feel like the inside shoulders weak, rip to that inside, work that a gap. If you feel like you can beat him on the edge, rip that B gap. So, and that came down to a lot of hand work as far as, you know, we're attacking, we're bench pressing. But once we saw that high hat, we had to chop or we had to do something to get my butt to an edge as quick as I can. But I found that it made it easier on those, on those two techniques to, to get them a two-way go. And it, and it, and it took, and it, and it helped them out as far as saying, hey, if I'm working this guy and he's overset, I can go inside real quick. I'm not going to get in trouble. Either that makes sense. So, yeah, yeah. you know, they, 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 they loved it. And we actually had produced a lot of sacks because again, that center is kind of slow on which way to work because a lot of times that center is going to go, you know, to the field or boundary, depending on what protection the offensive line is running. And if all of a sudden that center works away and now that guy's got a two way go and all of a sudden that a gaps open, I mean, we made it, we had a lot of success with that. Yeah. I would imagine, like you said, uh, that although there it's, it's kind of like you mentioned this earlier, it's kind of like playing a six technique, you know, although we're coming and hitting the tight end, our eyes are usually on the tack on the tackle and we're mm-hmm. kind of, we're, we're watching what he does. And it's the same thing here. You're looking at that center and if man, if he, if he goes away from me now, I got the, I got a wide open a gap that I can attack. And, um, and, and so, yeah, that's, 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 and again, to, to, to be a head up guy and know that you got a two way go, you know, those guys are used to rushing uh, in a phone booth. So now that they got some space, you know, they feel like they can operate. That's, that's a, uh, you know, that, that's a good feeling for those guys as well. Yeah, they didn't fight me on that too. Yeah, much. yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine that they, they would. They liked it. You know, they like they like being in that just because, like you said, they knew if they were in a three technique, more than likely they were just going to rush that B gap. You know, they that's the only option they had, or unless you had a slant or movement or blitz on. But so they felt like they, hey, I got opportunity. I can whip this guy because if all of a sudden it's one on one, I can go either way. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. Well, what other what other uh, advice would you give to a coach or coaching staffs who are who are, are trying to be more multiple and, and mix more looks in their game plan? Because you guys are doing it uh, so well and, and 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 able to do that seamlessly. So, what what other advice or, or tips would you give to those coaches who are looking to do that? I would find that, and, and this one thing. You know, if you if you want to be a true four down, you got to have two. To my opinion, you got to have forty tackles because you got to be able to obviously rotate guys because two guys can't play the entire game. So the first thing I look at, and we kind of hit on it earlier, is what type of personnel are you going to have? You know, for the next couple years or or consistently have. And if you feel like you've got some big athletic dudes that can play the the shade, the three or the two or whatever you want to do, and you know, and, and 
and beat people one on one, and then then more power to you do it. You know, because like I said earlier, as a D line guy, I want four dudes out there yeah, if I got them. Yeah. You know, so I think the first thing I look at your personnel, and then if I got more of those athletic kids that are better in space, you know, it, 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 like you kind of said earlier, is he better kind of being off the deep, off the offensive tackle, you know, playing two yards off instead of being a tight five, you know kind of finding the strengths of our kids. And, and that's one thing, you know, we're, I'm not, I don't want to get too deep into it, but we're kind of looking at some other stuff defensively as well. I don't want to give it away you know, in, case yeah, anybody yeah. in our district listening, but we're always looking for ways to, to get the 11 dudes out there. Obviously like everybody says 11 best athletes, 11 fastest guys, you know, okay, whatever, but how are they going to fit our scheme? Are they going to be better in that four down because we've got D tackles that can help them out or are they going to be better out in space you know, where they're, where they're now that bigger guys covering up that tackle maybe because you're running an odd front. And so I think the first thing, I, the first advice I give the coaches and, and, you know, I've been in, in different interviews as a coach where they ask, you know, what scheme would you run or what would you just say? Well, first I'm going to see what type of personnel we got, yeah, <laughs> you know, what yeah. kids, because, you know, you hear guys say, well, I'm a four, four, three guy. I'm a three, four guy. I'm like, well, what if you get a school or you get a place where you can't do that? Like you, to me, the way the offenses are spreading us out and what they're doing to us now you know, you got to be able to get dudes in space, but at the same time, you got to be able to put four hands in the dirt that can stop the ISO or stop the power. So, you know, you you got to be multiple, and you got to find personnel that can lie to do that. If, if that answers your question. Yeah, and that's a, and I, I want to go back to that the point that you made about you know a coach asking, um, in you know in an interview, you know what what defensive scheme you're going to run, and and I I thought the same thing. You know, like hey, here's here's what I've run in the past and the places I've been, but you know, honestly. It's it's really going to depend on what 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 we have, you know, because uh, I don't want to try to fit a fit a square peg in a round hole. I mean, if we're if I if I say we're going to be four four two five, but we don't have enough uh, defensive linemen, then I'm already setting us up for failure straight out of the gate. So I think that's to be able to have that in your bag, you know, where I can, yeah, hey, I'd love to be four two five. That's and and this is you know if 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 that's the option, that's the right we take, then then I'm ready to go. But hey, if we're not, if we don't have the the personnel to fit that, then we can also, uh, you know, we can, we're going to work out of the odd and be be just as successful in that scheme as well. Oh, definitely. And then you know, having the opportunity to be a head coach, it's the same way offensively. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Everybody wants to be a ten personnel spread, or you know. Throw it all over the place. Well, you may not have any receivers one day. So what are right. you going to do? You know, right. you're going to get in the wing tee, you're going to slot tee. You know, what are you what are you going to do next? And so, it's kind of the same way I feel about defense nowadays. Is you know, people can, can try to label you as something, but you better have a couple tricks or you know, a couple different fronts to to, to throw people off. Yeah, for sure. All right, well, Coach, I, I, I want to ask you this. Going back to when you were at OU uh, and being in the Big Twelve, you know, you guys were were. Big 12 champs back there in 2010. You won the won the Fiesta Bowl. As you made your way around the country playing in these big time games, what was the best game day environment? Uh, let, let's say in the Big 12. Oh, definitely. Well, the two that come to mind, you know, Red River. Obviously, people and you, everybody talks about Red River, OU, Texas. Just because the neutral side, the crowd is split exactly <laughs> like it is. On it's it's crazy how one side is burnt orange and one side is crimson. You know, it's. And, and that's a big game and it's, and it's an exciting game. There's a lot on the line, you know, it's a different atmosphere. So, you know, that's one that stands out because when you're, what a lot of people don't know is when you're coming into the state fair, they drive the team buses through, like through the fair, like you get a police escort. Well, you got one side, you got the OU fans and the other side, you got the Texas fans. So on one side, you got, you know, people giving you the number one finger on the other side, it's the other finger, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And like throwing stuff at the bus and all that. So it's, it's kind of, you roll in you're like, all right, this is, this is for real, you know, type deal. 
But, you know, being the other game that really stands or other place that really stands out to me uh, was the University of Nebraska. And it's and the thing about the University of Nebraska, we got – and this is the last year. We played them in the Big 12 championship later on, but it was a, like the last year they were in the Big 12 before they went to the Big 10 conference. And so we got to go to Lincoln. And it was – and I'd been to a lot of other visiting places, Texas Tech, you know, Texas A&M, you know, all those – and the fans are pretty, pretty brutal. <laughs> They're pretty, <laughs> they get on you, you know, they, they let you know how they feel. Or we went to Nebraska. It was all, you know, how are you handshakes? Good luck. It was, it was kind of, it was different for the, for somebody to be uh, visiting team, you know, you being the visiting team, but for them to be so nice to you yeah. <laughs> and then they went yeah. out and destroyed us. But, uh, <laughs> you know, they had a good game that game and they hadn't lost like 80 something games, whatever in that home stadium or something like that or whatever, you know, they, they, it was cool to see that big of a crowd and that tradition and see how nice and humbling those people were. And they wished you well as they were kicking your butt. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah. Hey, at least they're, uh, they're, they're, they're humble and, and gracious about it, I guess. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, I can just imagine, you know, that, that playing at Nebraska, I would, I would have to be a pretty cool place to be with all the history and tradition there, you know, at a place like that, that, uh, that had to be, had to be really cool. Okay, coach. So anytime I get a, 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 a GA on here or a former GA, I always ask them about their GA stories because you guys, you know, have have the best stories out there and, and can just own any dinner party that you go to with these with these these stories that you have of being around these big time coaches or being in these programs uh, and, and the th- just the behind the scenes stuff that you've got to do. So give us your best GA stories. Oh, definitely. Um, my GA at OU. Uh, Coach Stoops was big, big on family stuff. So we'd do a, you know, a family night once a week where the families would come up there and they'd eat dinner with us. So he was really big into having the families around, the the wives, the kids, which is great, which is the way I think it, you know, should be, and the way it is. A lot of successful places I've been at, it's the way it is. So you really got to know whatever coach you were working. So I was the GA for Coach Venables. You know, did linebackers and was pretty much his assistant. So I was with him all the time. So I really got to know his wife and his kids. And, you know, like his son Tyler is playing at Clemson now. Uh, back then, they were just 10, 11 years old. You know, they were just getting, they were kind of towards the end of elementary, getting into middle school. Well, anyways, you know, got to spend a lot of time with his family because, you know, we go on bowl trips together and do all that good stuff. But then during the summertime, I, I was the chauffeur. So <laughs> <laughs> if they had to go to basketball camp, I had to take them. If, you know, they were going to go swimming or whatever, I had to take them. If, if they were going out of town, I had to house fit and, and, you know, do the, do the flowers and water the flowers and make sure the mail was picked up and all that stuff. So, you know, a lot of other places like GA, like UCO, you were mainly the office gopher. Whereas with when I at OU, it was like, yeah, you're going to learn football, but you're also going to be my, my help babysit, <laughs> you know, yeah, help yeah. watch the kids, help yeah. house sit, you know, and which, which was nice. Cause he, you know, he took care of me all the time. You know, we, uh, we got to go fly up to, to West Point and meet with Army because we were playing Air Force the next year. And so he took me to New York City and we got to stay at, you know, downtown, uh, what's it called, down at Broadway and all that stuff, you know. And so he, it's much as I had to babysit and do all that, you know, stuff you might not want to do, he made sure to reward me by taking me places and getting to meet with other staffs and, and kind of learn the game. And so it was always interesting having to do that. And then as a GA, what a lot of people don't realize is, when the recruiting comes around, so when they fly kids in from California, Texas, all over the nation, you're the guy that goes and picks them up at the airport. Yeah, <laughs> you're the yeah. guy that takes them back to the airport. You're the guy that takes them to the hotel. You're the guy that takes them to the recruiting dinner. So, you know, it's like it's it's pretty much, you know, you're running errands. You're being a gopher, you know, a chauffeur for either kids or, or recruits the whole time you're a GA. So it, there's more than just, you know, breaking down film and drawing cards and running scout teams. There's all the little family aspects that come with it. For sure, for sure. And so – 
was there uh, what were the differences in? And this is going to sound like an obvious question, but you know, just the differences in GAing at at, at OU and then at, at at Central Oklahoma. I mean, obviously, you know, big time marquee uh, Big Twelve program, and and then you go uh, to to UCO, and that's a solid Division two program in state of Oklahoma, but obviously very different from from OU. So just talk about the differences between those two uh, programs. And that's a jobs. great question because I talked to a lot of younger guys that ask about GA and and the and 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 the, being a GA at OU, you know, obviously it's great for your resume. It's great for your network. You know, knowing those guys, it's it, it's great just to see the inner working, all the resources that those people have or that those programs have, and how much financially, you know, how much cash is pumped through those organizations. And and you'll learn you at the at a D one program you'll learn the scheme, you know, you'll learn, okay, this is the scheme we do. This is the calls. I know how to break a game down. I know how to make a game plan. I know how to run a scout team, you know, all that stuff, but you're still somebody's assistant. If that makes sense. And, yeah. You know, I was Brent's assistant. We're at the D two level and, you know, coach, you played at Harding and you probably hit, you know, had GAs there. They were actually position coaches, right? You know, they like, they, they took up whatever D line, you know, whatever position it might be, the, you know, because of the lack of resources, the lack of funding that some D twos have, you know, your three or four GAs, they're full time, even though they're GAs, they have their own position group. Right. So you're actually coaching, you know, you're in a meeting room, you're running a meeting room, you're deciding who's playing, you know, on the depth chart and all that stuff. So, you know, I learned a lot from Brent as far as when, when I came to Brent as a GA, I had just been a D line guy. He taught me the linebacker stuff, the secondary stuff. You know, what I mean, he taught me how to be a defensive coordinator, but being a GA at UCO taught me how to be a D line coach at the college level. If that makes sense, because yeah. it was more hands-on. Yeah. It was me running the meetings. It was me recruiting those kids. You know, I wanted for my position. So I think, yeah, you're, if you go to a D2 school, people might think, you know, it's not as glamorous, but I promise you, you get to do more coaching. You get to do more realistic coaching than you will at the D1 level. as yeah. a GA. Yeah. That's really interesting. Yeah. And, and uh, you know, great insight for especially for guys who are looking to take to, to go that route, go the GA route. That it's, you know, that it is great if you can get in one of those big time programs because of the networking and the exposure and and obviously being in those big time games. But you know, it's uh, uh that that is it's hard to beat experience and, and on uh, hands-on experience, which is what you get at smaller schools. So that's a that's a great point. That's something I really wouldn't have thought of uh, when comparing those two. Uh, well, Coach, we, we, we close out or we've been closing out our episodes uh, and, and w- with giving our guests an opportunity to just shout out some coaches who uh, who don't always get a lot of attention, but are guys that you have identified as as coaches who just do a great job coaching up their players. So I want to give you a chance to uh, to do that and just shout out some guys who uh, uh, that you feel like are doing a great job. Oh, yeah. And I could go on all night, you know, so because just being able to be a part of different staffs throughout the last 14 years, been around a lot of good coaches and, and been around some ways I wouldn't do things like, like you said earlier, but, uh, you know, having the guy that, you know, when you, when we talked about this question, uh, a guy that really stood out to me right now at the moment is a guy named uh, coach Robert Jones, and he's the defense coordinator at Dell city and uh, coach Jones, uh, same age as I is. He went to Carl Albert. I went to Choctaw. We were rivals. Uh, grew up together, played all-star games together. And he went to NEO. I went to Northeastern State University. He got the opportunity to go play defensive back at Oklahoma State and was started there for two years. So got to play in the Big 12. And then after that, he got into coaching. He coached down at Rockdale, Texas. Uh, we coached at Brewer, down at Brewer around Fort Worth area. And then he came when Coach Dunn got the Dell City job. He brought him with him as the uh, defensive coordinator and strength conditioning guy. And 
you know, he doesn't, he's not one of those guys who, who wants, he's going to self promote, you know, or wants a bunch of this or that or exposure, but just being with him this last year, you know, I knew him growing up as an athlete, but now getting the chance to work with him and see how he coaches the defensive backs and how he, how he lets, when we game plan for defense, it's, you know, it's, it's a teamwork deal. It's not, you know, it's everybody's got say, and he's always picking my brain. I'm always picking his brain about places he's been, the way he's done stuff. And, you know, we're always bouncing ideas off of us, uh, of each other. He's also the head track voice, head track coach. He won state last year, uh, which is in Oklahoma. That's not an easy thing to do. He won the five, a state championship and a uh, boys track. So, I don't think he sometimes, you know, we've had, they've had a lot of success the last three years at Dell City. I've only been a part of it for a year, but I feel like he has done a great job of establishing that culture, making that culture what it is as far as the, the toughness, you know, the, the commitment on, on, on all that stuff and the effort. And so I really think that he's a kind of a hidden gem that a lot of people don't know about. And I think, you know, one day if he gets the opportunity to be a head football coach, I think he's going to be very successful. So that's uh, Coach Robert Jones. He's on Twitter, Coach Rob J. So anybody listening wants to look him up, you know, he's always putting good stuff out there. So he's a guy that really I've been, been able, you know, to learn from just the short time I've been around him and, and really enjoyed you know, the way he goes through the process of getting things ready. Uh, the next guy that I had the opportunity to work with at uh, Dewey High School, that's a Scott Benny. He was my defensive line coach and my offensive line coach. We were a 2A school or a 2A, 3A school. So a lot of our kids are both way kids. So at that level, the coach has got to go to coach offense and defense. You know, and he's a veteran of the game. Um, he, you know, he picked my brain cause he, you know, he'd heard about the defensive line places. You know, I coached defensive line at these certain places in a program. So he was always, asking, you know, how, why I did certain things or why I did it this way. And then he would take it and kind of implement it, you know, his way with, with our players where I knew it was getting done, but it was getting done in his way. And he was a veteran of the game. He's been doing this for over 20 years. And he he taught me a lot as a, as a young head coach. And he, and he helped me a tremendous amount on both sides of the line of scrimmage with the offensive line and the defensive line. So those two guys are guys uh, that I think, you know, are really good uh, coordinators, really good assistant coaches that maybe need to get a little more credit than what they get. Yeah, and obviously sure. those, those guys I talked about at the beginning, those are more mentor guys. These guys are some some dudes, some soldiers that are, that are getting work done. Well, that's great stuff, Coach, and, and I know they're going to appreciate uh, getting you know getting a shout out from you. And and um, it, you know it was great. I really enjoyed talking today and, and hearing about the, the great things you guys got going on at Dell City. And and uh, obviously, it sounds like that uh, y'all are primed for uh, another great year uh, this next year. And, and we'll be in touch. And just good luck to you this next year. I appreciate it, Coach. And you know, anytime I get to talk anything about football, especially defense, it, it gets me fired up. And and the more knowledge I can gain from anybody out there, I think coaching's all about learning new stuff and stealing ideas and kind of putting your twist on them. Thanks again to Coach Cade for joining us today. You can follow him on Twitter at tcade, and if you aren't already doing so, you can follow our show on Twitter as well at kypd podcast. Our quote of the day is one I really, really like, and it wasn't even said by a football coach, but it's extremely applicable to our profession, and it is relax, look around, make a call. And that is from Jocko Willink. Uh, if you haven't checked out any of his books, I would definitely highly recommend those, and also his podcast is another really great listen. Uh, so that's our quote of the day provided to us by Coach Cade. And that will do it for us today. Thank you for checking us out. Make sure you hit Coach Kate up on Twitter and tell him he did a great job. And also be sure to check back in with us next week for a a really special and and unique episode for our our 52nd podcast. 
uh, episode. I, I don't want to give anything away, but but I will say this. It will be another first for this podcast, and it's an episode that I'm definitely looking forward to. So be sure to tune back in next week for that. Until then, hey, look for the good in every situation. Control what you can control. Maximize your time. And, oh, yeah, Coach Cade, tell these guys what else they got to do. You got to keep the pads down. 